0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast, that has a deeper conversation about race. My co-host, Angel Gray, and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. Blue Wire.
2: Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! Yeah!
3: All right, hello, and welcome into another Buzz Beat. This is Richie, and I'll be joined by Spencer and Brian today. On today's episode, uh, we are going to get into tying a bow on the season for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, If you didn't get a chance to listen to our last episode, which happened to be two weeks ago, uh, we talked about the possible formats uh, as the NBA planned on resuming its season. And now we have more news that the league is planning on going to Orlando with 22 teams, but the Hornets happen to be the 23rd team, and they won't be one of the teams participating down there. Uh, so we'll do our best to talk about that decision, some of the ramifications that that has on the Hornets team, and try to tie a bow on this season and give our overall thoughts as, as it seems, the Hornets won't be playing any kind of meaningful basketball games uh, until December. So guys, uh, how's everything going with you? I I know we took a week off last week. Uh, It just didn't feel right uh, recording an episode uh, with everything that's kind of going on. But how are you guys hanging in there?
4: Hanging in there, continuing to hang in there. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was it was kind of nice today to get some Hornets news out there. You know, having some morning coffee, listening to Brian on on WFNZ and and uh, Richie. You know, getting on the on the press conference. So it, although there's not going to be meaningful basketball for a while for Charlotte, um, at least in, until we hear something more, which I guess we we could with like a mini camp or something. It was nice to just kind of get back into Hornets mode, and I don't know, just kind of like. Felt like restarting the engines, in a sense. I guess a little bit.
5: I know what Spencer means. It, it did feel good for the. It was sort of a newsy day of sorts for the uh, for the Hornets. Um, we can talk about. We can expand on that more in a second. It, it was good just to have this team is sort of in the headlines and be able to tie a bow on the season. And I mean, maybe we'll see. There, there may be some. Potential off-season activities on the horizon for them and perhaps some of these training camp like suggestions too but as far as the actual 2019 2020 season goes in terms of competition like it's it's good to have a a little bit of closure albeit premature on that and and some other little bits of good news specific to the the hornets and um you know i don't mean this as like a as like an uh, an exercise in escapism or whatever too like it's it's generally good to have the Hornets and be back on with you guys and, and talk about this team as much as I love talking about the draft. Like it's uh, we've done a lot of that. You know, this has been good. And as I'm sure for a lot of people, like the last three months have been, have been crazy. You know, whether you haven't seen your family or if you lost a job and then, uh, you know, what happened with the, uh, the, the death of George Floyd, uh, really sort of like accelerating uh, the collective anxiety and, frustration of the country the last week and a half here yeah like i was in no mood to talk hoops last week and i'm happy to see that even as people are sort of trying to come back and, and talk basketball and stuff like that that the collective consciousness of america hasn't like put this this didn't just this what we're talking about with george floyd police in america it existed beyond a like 72 hour news cycle and i'm happy to see that um, it, it makes me feel like uh, we could actually see some, some change, some kind, uh, in America for the positive, And that's, it feels like a, a step in the right direction. I've been at the protests in Raleigh or, or a, b- a bunch of them and just like getting away from Twitter and actually like, being back out in the community, uh, has been like good for, for my soul. Um, so anyways if people are considering doing that in their own towns like i strongly recommend doing that and going out and showing your support but yes good uh, to be back and talking hornets uh with you guys for sure
4: it does feel like this uh, yeah this this is gonna stick like this time we've seen a lot of police you know violence against mm-hmm. african americans but uh, you know brian kind of to your point it feels like this one has some staying power and is going to make some actual change and there's certainly nothing positive you know I mean I I shouldn't use the word positive associated with anything that we've seen you know in our country the last few weeks week and a half but I think I think that this pandemic and and maybe just the lack of other things that our society can move on to is really going to end up being impactful and I think that uh Again, I, I don't know what other word to use other than positive right now, but that's the one mm-hmm. positive I, I, I kind of look at and say, I think this one's going to matter. And so that that it matters for us, it matters for the country, it matters for our kids one day, you know, it yeah. feels like we're really actually taking a step here. So.
3: And Brian, you sort of mentioned this. We have some biggish news concerning Malik mm. Monk. Uh, it was at the end of the, uh, or actually kind of towards the middle of this press conference with uh, Mitch Kupchak that he mentioned that Malik Monk was reinstated. He said it in a very like nonchalant manner. Uh, and with the Hornets not necessarily participating this summer in basketball, obviously not in Orlando, it may not mean much for this season. But we'll kind of see how it pans out moving forward. I really don't have any big thoughts on this news, other than the fact that it's good to see Malik Monk that is back in compliance with this anti-drug program with the NBA. I mean, Spencer, what are your what are your overall thoughts on on this news that kind of came out of nowhere?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's huge for Charlotte. I mean, be able to get him back in the gym and and you know, I mean he's there's a lot of guys i thought on this team that developed this year we can talk about that more later but monk really i would say in the last like you know three to four weeks before the season was uh, was upended and and when his season was because of the suspension he was playing some of his best basketball ever in in his nba career so you know it surprised me i thought that uh you know part of his suspension although it was it was uh you know, spelled to us as it's indefinite. So nobody knew what that meant in terms of games, but, uh, I thought it might be frozen, you know, when the season stopped. So, you know, I I just assumed the NBA would make him, you know, you know, pay for the suspension via games, but, whatever he had to do to get right with the league and, and get right with the team and, and, and get himself healthy, you know, commend him. And uh, it's it's huge for Charlotte to have him back in the gym now. And, you know, if, if we do get some kind of mini camp or training camp or these eight teams that got left out of Orlando get together, mm-hmm. I think it's just awesome that Charlotte will be able to have Monk involved in that.
5: I think sometimes it's it's easy, maybe not, on, not with myself or not with you guys on, on the pod, but I just think like – at large collectively in the, the NBA basketball universe, it's easy to forget about Malik as a piece of Charlotte's young core. Um, because he's never sort of like really turned the leaf until this season, even then sort of just like a microwave scorer off the bench. And uh, he struggled with a shot this year as well too. But, and I know the advanced numbers weren't pretty for him on either end of the court this season in terms of the, the impact data, but just like if you watch this guy play, you knew he was, you know, he's a different player. Like the tape doesn't lie. And and there's some information that backs that up too. You know, we can see just how frequently he was getting to the rim, how many of those finishes were coming unassisted. assisted. And uh, Spencer said, man, this time is invaluable. It's great to have him in the gym with guys like Devante and PJ and miles and Cody and, 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 and McDaniels, like all of those guys, like it's, this time is important i know the franchise if you listen to james borrego on the woach pod today you know they're upset about missing out on on the rest of the season and what is some truly important part of the uh, for development which is at the, the core of everything charlotte's doing under james borrego right now having malik in-house now for whatever the next nine months look like for charlotte as he's heading into the final season of his rookie contract is uh is is noteworthy and important, and, I, and I'm I'm glad for him because I think Malik, the light went on with him some in some areas on the court this season. I'm happy to see he was able to take care of himself and get back in the gym uh, relatively quickly. This seems like one of the few victories that Charlotte's going to get this season around the like amended pandemic schedule. You know what I mean? Like left out of left out of Orlando, uh, missing some local TV deal games, but, but they do get Malik Monk back now, uh, which that's not nothing.
3: Right. And you almost wonder when he was reinstated because it, they weren't coming out with this news. It, it just happened to come up because the question was asked. Um, I can't imagine it being today. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday that they actually reinstated him. So who, who knows when he actually was reinstated uh, with the team and when he's been, you know, maybe potentially maybe going on those like workouts where you have one-on-one time uh, in the gym. But anyway, let, let's yeah. go on. Just to, real quick, yeah. like,
5: did you, you guys see the news about LaMarcus Aldridge today? And Spurs have shut him down for the rest of the season because he, he had surgery, I think on his shoulder, but it's like the surgery took place literally in April, six <laughs> weeks ago. And that news, I mean, I'm yeah. sure guys have just been sitting on that or, or, you know, newsbreakers have been sitting on that or, or really maybe it was just kept up sealed uh, for for a month and a half now. But yeah, that, that news came out today and it was nuts to see when the surgery actually took place because it, it was, again, it was in the, in the month of April and here we are now the second week of June.
3: All right, let's take a break real quick. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC NASCAR boxing and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. All right, let's get on to our thoughts on this like approved plan for the resumption of the NBA season. And, and let's just try to take a look at it from the NBA's point of view and, and taking our Hornets' bias out of this. So there's going to be 22 teams that are heading down to Orlando and they're targeting a late july start for the actual games washington is the only technically non-playoff team in the east where you're going to have new orleans phoenix portland sacramento and san antonio to make the 22 teams with Charlotte not being one of them. And I thought this was pretty cool. They had a play in game for the eighth seed. If the ninth seed by the end of these eight games is within four games of the eighth seed, they will have a basically a play-in game. It still does favor the eighth seed in the sense that if they do lose it, the first game, they have another opportunity to win, but if the ninth seed loses their first game, they're done. Uh, so I'm going to give my thoughts on this and the, NBA Board of Governors did approve this plan. I think for the safety of the league and its players, this really was the right decision, trying to limit the number of teams and players down there. And this was something that we discussed on the last episode where we didn't really think it was feasible to get all 30 teams down there. It just, it sucks that the number 23 team is happens to be Charlotte. I think Borrego mentioned it a lot about them wanting to compete and keeping up with the team and, and playing together and, and they're going to be going a lot of days without meaningful basketball but in terms of logistical and competitive standpoint, it just didn't make sense for Charlotte to go down there and if they did go down there, I'm not sure that they would have been within four games by the end of the eight games, uh, so they, they really could have just gone down there and they'd be heading right back to Charlotte uh, with nothing really gained other than maybe a handful of games played together and, and we'll kind of go deeper into this uh, later in the podcast, how this affects the Hornets organization, but I really do like how they're managing the eight, nine play in game, like I mentioned before, but Brian, uh, just from like a league's perspective, how do you think the league did with this plan? I mean, are there some things that you dislike or or for the most part, do you like how they're going to carry out the rest of the season?
5: I think they did. Okay. Uh, I don't think this is like uh, their best work on this, but I get why they went with 22 teams. Uh, I think when we recorded a couple weeks ago, I was advocating for 16 teams and getting to the playoffs as quickly as you can, but it's obvious that they wanted some regular season games, or I can't remember what the term is that they're using to refer to these (laughs) regular season games. Now there's a different terminology for them, but it's clear that beyond just finding some sort of, um, some sort of uh, newfound competition in, in potentially the uh, the playing game, which seems like it's a, a likely scenario in the Western Conference, that they just wanted, like, inventory. You know, it's A, to have these guys be able to warm up and play some basketball before the playoffs started, but also so they could have a television product. and And it does seem like, I believe... You know, the league won't take or the players won't take nearly as much of a haircut in terms of lost money now because of these games. I think they're gonna get back 300 million dollars or so in salaries just because they're gonna you know these of these, uh, I think it's what is it, 88 you know of these of these new games or whatever. I think they could have accomplished this with 20 teams. Like I think it's sort of ridiculous that Washington and Phoenix are headed down um and i think ultimately you still could have gotten a similar number of games so you still with with 20 teams so you would have still had enough inventory for the players to make back some some cash um yeah i I think they could have been really creative with this format even though i wasn't advocating for that i don't think we're getting anything that creative like them seeding one through sixteen or, uh, you know, in in issuing the the conferences, we're not getting some sort of World Cup-style pool play scenario. But I do think it's, like, a little interesting. We've got unbalanced teams from each conference going down there, and uh, it means we get a little more Zion Williamson, too, which I'm sure the league is not upset about, and uh, neither am I. So not a perfect solution, and I'm sure – a variety of teams inside the, the the 22 teams on the outside, like Charlotte are disappointed or upset. I'm guessing Memphis probably isn't stoked with how, how this, how things have shaken out for them. And uh, even though they'll have, assuming they hold on to the eight seed and someone's within four games, they'll have two games to win one. So their odds are still pretty good, but uh, I could see why they would be frustrated. And anyways, the, the team, what the league was not going to come to a perfect solution um everyone was gonna have to be willing to make some compromises here and uh because even teams like the lakers and the bucks like they've lost home court too like everyone's making some sacrifices to to for the greater good here so ultimately i think they checked all the boxes that they needed to and i just need to see more information now on or i think everyone does when the league is ready to kick it out on testing protocols for for players that uh or, or groups of players that test positive, you know, what that's going to look like. I think that information is vital, but I think for the most part, the, the league did a pretty good job having to thread a needle um, in what is clearly, clearly uh, a bad hand they've been dealt here.
4: Yeah, I, I think they just did okay on this as well. I don't, you know, I, I have no clue why Phoenix and Washington are there. I know Brian said that. Yeah, don't it's stupid it doesn't make any sense that to me the more i've thought about it that that i guess that the the significance of the number 22 is somehow tied to league revenue would would be my my hunch um now who knows whether or not that's true but it's it's just such a like when you look at where phoenix is and literally they have almost a zero percent chance of making the postseason yeah uh and washington has has a very little chance you know as far back as they are so feels to me like it has to be tied to revenue i mean i would have, have rather seen like if they were going to abandon the conference uh high eastern western conference hierarchy and and just say okay we're taking the best 22 teams and i would have much rather seen them one through 16 you know and give all these western conference teams that they have invited a real chance to get that 16th spot um you know like that would have made a lot more sense mm-hmm. it's just like if you're if you're going to be I don't think the creativity, I mean, it's not even really creativity, honestly, like what they're doing with this playing game. If that's all you were going to do, then just, just don't even like try anything Uh, because you could have just left two other teams at home, Yeah, you know, that, that, that limits the amount of people that are there. Um and, and really gets teams that can actually compete for the postseason the true with the true twenty you know in Orlando so I gotta imagine it's tied to revenue so I don't know it's it's definitely disappointing for Charlotte I mean just the fact that the twenty third team is has has some some you know some comedy um, yeah. tied in there uh, but go ahead B J you can Th-
5: that coming from just from Charlotte's perspective like them being the twenty third team so the sort of in theory the first left out. And I assume we'll get some assurances about this, but the fact that it was not like immediately stated publicly in the reporting from, from Woj and from Mark Stein and from, from Sham, from Shams too, but that like it, those eight teams that are not going mm-hmm. they, they're they, their odds have to be locked in for the lottery. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even if it's like statistically unlikely that a team like Washington or, or Phoenix or whatever could, could fall below Charlotte like that can't happen that just can't um, right that, that that absolutely cannot happen there's got to be some mechanism in place to lock the hornets in in in, their, in the other teams in in their spots as far as their their odds go and i think that's um, official
3: right that's official right now charlotte has is will will be getting a better you know shot at the lottery than washington right
4: yeah the the eight the eight teams at least how i understand it it's uh their odds so the lottery really effectively is is for is between 8 teams and yeah. so the and so the, the other i guess the remaining 6 you know their the records are frozen as of March 11 so uh, yes good job on the league to do that because like guess what phoenix is probably going to go 2 and 8 in orlando like washington's probably going to go 2 and 8 or 3 7 in orlando yeah. and and if washington would have gone 2 and 8 in orlando they would have finished the season with a worse winning percentage uh than the hornets now that would have been Like that's a bad look for the NBA if that would have happened and they hadn't Mm -hmm. done anything to to kind of secure those eight teams odds. So, so that was nice to see. But yeah, I mean, look, good good on the NBA for like pulling this off though. At the same time, and and getting a plan and. You know, one of the hardest things to do, I think, with this many powerful people is to get to get them to 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 sign off on the percentage you need signed off on to get something like this enacted. I mean, you talk about all these different agendas, uh, you know, every single team, all thirty, they had a different idea of what they wanted out of this. And so for silver to get twenty nine yes votes, um, it just I think speaks volumes about his leadership. It's just another data point to he can rally a group of guys. and and it's just, you know, I think more than anything, I don't know that this is going to go well in Orlando, and I think there's a lot of details they very clearly have to still work out. But the fact that Silver is able to drag something like this across the finish line as quickly, uh, and so far, it seem it's seemingly. Uh, as seamless as he's done it I, I think is just it's another point a data point of why the NBA is is the strongest league right professional league they're aligned on everything and that's because of Silver's you, leadership
5: you're seeing how baseball is like crumbling at the seams yeah. to like put on put it for the owners to give a proposal that the players have you know any any willingness to sign right now and and then you know it's it's been amazing to see mlb owners sort of just try to like repackage these same bad offers and and kick it back to players like they think they're going to trick these guys into into taking a deal that works especially for the owners more so than the other stakeholders in the league the 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 players and yeah they're just there's labor peace in the nba like this is nothing Mm -hmm. new um adam silvers fostered a lot of goodwill over the years he's clearly accessible and close with a lot of players um the money's been flowing in so good for a couple years now that certainly helps too but yeah silver's been as far as public facing commissioners go in, in north american professional sports like He's been—he's just totally the man for the job um, in in what the the NBA, what any scenario that they could be asked right now, because he just has so much equity built up with the owners and players, and 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 look, the players' association adds effective leadership to Michelle Roberts and Chris Paul. Uh, Like it's—it's a team effort, and it's impressive that um, with all these different variables and potentially life-altering uh elements to consider that they were able to string together what is a pretty good a pretty good plan. I and mean, we'll see how it plays out. You know, nothing's airtight, but um you're right, Spencer. It's silvers uh he's able to get these guys to move in a way that no other commissioner in North American Pro Sports can do. It's not it's really not even close. Right.
3: I mean the one thing that the baseball has working against them is they have a full season that they're having to deal with. Right? Totally, yes. So the, the salary is issue it? becomes a whole lot bigger when you're dealing yeah. with
5: yeah it's not yeah. apples. To, it's not apples to
4: apples right. by any means, but uh, that is that is one. It's just one example to compare compare right. out towards. But, I mean, of course, there is um, plenty of incentive for everybody to, to get on board to an extent because I do think, I mean, depending on what you're reading, it sounds like the league is gonna recover quite a bit of revenue. Yes, um, there's the projections are all over the place, but if they're able to satisfy, you know, most. Of these local TV deals and also some national TV deals, which I'm sure they'll be able to in Orlando with and with the playoffs. And they're getting all the playoff games, right? Like yeah. we're not seeing five game series, we're yeah, getting no, seven
5: game series, best, so. best of seven, man. Yeah, so, I and mean, maybe even a play in this like play in tournament too. Like that, that could be two more games that are quasi playoff or yeah, right, you know, right. by, def, by vaguely by definition playoff too. Um, and we'll see too, some of these proposals go in place for the, the other eight teams outside of the bubble or whatever, like there may be some televised, maybe that's a remote possibility, but they're proposing some television games for that scenario too. So maybe we see in August, we see the Hawks versus the Hornets or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that's, that's way deep into the woods, but they may even find a way to get now a far less, um, As far as like a national audience goes, yeah, there's maybe limited appeal to that, but you still may be able to find a scrounge up a few more games to throw on television too. Right. um, Later in the
3: summer. And that and that gets us to our next point. I want to talk about you know how does this affect the Charlotte Hornets team on the court? I know a lot of fans are disappointed that they aren't playing anymore or they're not being brought to Orlando. The last game that the Hornets did play was march 11th uh and if they play again on december 1st which is like the proposed start of the new season they will have gone 265 days without a regular season game so just to give you guys an idea last season between the 2019 season to this 2020 season there was 197 days between it Um, so big difference there and I'm not sure if it's possible, but I, I guess it's becoming more and more possible as we're hearing those reports. But I, I do wonder uh, if these non invitees can have some kind of training camp in the summer, just to get a chance to play together more. And yeah, um, yeah. you did mention this, Brian, that Woj did report that these eight teams that didn't make Orlando potentially what you know they want some kind of televised event between them and. In the mm-hmm. conference call today with JB, he kept talking about how the Hornets were hitting their stride and they were playing their mm-hmm. best basketball of their season towards the the beginning of March, and they just can't get that momentum back. But what he does say is he, he does want to play again, and uh, they're going to be at a disadvantage when you're comparing the eight teams to the 22 teams uh, in terms of just being able to play together. They will be going so long without playing any kind of meaningful basketball here. I will say this. I don't think it's... As big a deal as maybe it's you know being made out to be, but I I do think there's some kind of development lost here with this team. They were playing well. I'm just not sure that would have translated. Like I'm not sure like them playing well in March would have translated to them playing well in Orlando if they started up in July. You know what I mean?
5: Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, Like it just sort of depends on what you feel about you know, momentum or whatever, like, is that a thing, you know, can it be measured in some way, shape or form? Um, I think a lot of people would argue that, you know, no and no to both of those things. But I think there's something to be said about routine and and rhythm and stuff like that. By the way, how much do you guys want to bet? You know, I think there was, they're saying what first game of the season for 2020, 2021 on December 1st but That's not yeah. in stone. Yeah. How much you want to bet that 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 date gets uh gets pushed back? Yeah. So, yeah I'm i don't
4: think the players are gonna. I mean, we yeah. they're they're gonna push back on that yeah. one. Yeah.
5: It is it is uh, gonna yeah. regardless of when this starts, even if it does start on December 1st, December 25th, or somewhere in between, um, it is gonna be interesting having the NBA start after college hoops, you know, next season. Assuming yeah. assuming college hoops starts on time, which as of right now it is, but that that's a whole other. Set of circumstance that's not worth going into, but um, you could tell when JB spoke with Woj on his pod today too. You can tell he and the player and the teams, like the, the team, they're frustrated about about not being able to play. You know, like they 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 want to play more basketball, and you can you can really tell. Um, and he keeps talking about it from a, a development standpoint, wanting guys to get into a gym and and play basketball do you guys want to talk at all about the proposal that woe's reported on late over the weekend or or no yeah
4: i i just yeah i mean i i just kind of wanted to piggyback on what you were just mentioning brian then we can specifically talk about the proposal but you know i think like and I, i brought this up the first time we had this conversation about orlando and um you know, if Charlotte would be invited or not. I mean, I think context really matters. And I think that Charlotte is just not some, you know, shitty team that doesn't deserve anything good in the Mm -hmm. NBA. I, I think that they pivoted. And we can go back and argue whether or not they should have traded Kimball Walker. I think everyone knows how we feel at this point. So they could have been a little bit more responsible in that process. But here they are with a young core, with a, with a clean cap sheet, with all their assets. Yep. Um, and not only a young core, but a but a rapidly so far developing young, young core. Context really matters. And of course, that's where their frustration comes from, right? Like they, they had some way, way downs this season, but they had some some, some really high ups, and yes. those high ups were just starting to hit as all this was pulled away from them. So I think the NBA, and I, I really mean this, I'm not just – and I, I believe this, I'm not just saying it because I'm sticking up for small market Charlotte. The NBA has a responsibility to these other eight teams to give them the resources to continue developing and practicing and, and getting better as not only teams, but franchises. They can't just let them sit on the shelf yeah. for for X amount of months until December. If the NBA doesn't do anything for these other eight, eight teams, I think that's, to me, that that's not going to be forgotten and and that's going to be a black eye on the league and uh and so there's a political part of this of course jb and the players are are pissed off but like this is where michael jordan and and these other owners of these eight teams have got to flex back and they've got to demand resources between now and, and next december because if they don't We we're not that far away from another CBA, and a lot of you know bargaining that's going to have to happen. And my fear, not all these these eight teams are small markets, but some of them are, and some of the smallest markets in the league. And my fear with this is that it's it actually is going to have a lingering effect um, with some of these franchises. I, I know that seems maybe like an over I'm over exaggerating. But I think this is a danger zone for Charlotte. Like these are young players and they cannot go X amount of months without being, not only being on a court and picking up a basketball and sharing it together, they need to be around each other. Like, these are things that I hope, I hope these conversations are happening in the NBA, because I know they're scrambling to make this 22 team thing work, but you could look back and say, oh man, that was a mistake. Like, it, like the hangover for these other eight franchises might be a little bit more noticeable next season than I think a lot of people are talking about.
5: Yeah, and one of the things that the, some of these other eight teams are proposing is that they'd be able to start training camp uh, a week or a week and a half earlier than the other teams. I, I think that at the at the minimum, like right. that's something that that should absolutely lock into place. Like that's, that's like where you, you start from and you argue out. It is important to remember too that like, The Hornets were this rebuilding team in a small market that was checking a lot of boxes and doing things the right way and stuff, too. But also in this other pool of eight teams, you know, you've got the Hawks who have one who have a similar sort of I mean, they're well ahead of the Hornets right now. But like they have a similar rebuild going on, too. They also have one of the game's youngest, most marketable stars in Trey Young. And then one of these other eight teams is the golden state bleeping warriors too, like Steph Curry, Draymond green, like you, I, and you know, their ownership group, Steve Kerr, like uh, the Bob Myers at the front office, like the, uh, there's a heavyweight in the, in the corner of this, these eight teams over here too, which perhaps that helps not like, you know, golden state is not a franchise. That's that's like hurting for cash. Like they're sitting on a gold mine and, and they're going to keep printing money for at least a few more years. But, um, yeah, I think it, I think it probably helps the team. You know, helps that it helps these other eight teams that one of them is right. has you know has Steph Curry and it's the Golden State Warriors. Um, yeah. You know, that probably doesn't hurt the hurt the case
4: here either. And yeah, two- yeah, because everybody everybody kind of preaches the same thing in terms of team building and how you do it. Certainly mm-hmm. as a, as a team in, in Charlotte's situation, and so I just don't. I'm just a little over the fact of hearing like you stay, go home, stay away because. <laughs> because they're 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 actually doing what all you guys said they they should have been doing all along, and now yeah. and now the tables have turned, and now it's like, yeah, but you're not good enough, go away. it's like well, but hold on a second, like they're trying to build a team and they're developing young players, and now just because we have this situation, uh you just want you want them to go away like that's not that's not you know so silver I think is smart enough to recognize this, mm-hmm. and I hope that the majority of the owners at some point, this will become a conversation where they say, okay, we got to take care of this group over here. They're still part of the league. Yeah. Specific,
5: specific to Charlotte, there's been a fair amount of cognitive dissonance, I feel like from national talking heads or, or NBA media types uh, with the Hornets and, you know, how they it, how they parted ways with Kembo and what they are now. You know what I mean? And, and this is what I, one of the things I brought up when I was on FNZ this morning is like, what the Hornets have now going forward, where you can see Spencer, you mentioned they have all their assets, they have all their draft picks, and they, there's some good. They're going to have a chance to go grab some good players in the draft. They have. I mean, we will see where the cap settles, but they're gonna They they could be able to operate as a as a cap space team this summer, and, and certainly in the following summer too. And again, we'll see how that shakes out. But it's like it, this is this is, these are the benefits of not signing yourself up to for five more years and 200 million dollars of Kemba Walker who we all love again my favorite player in the NBA but this is the this is these are the benefits of that of that trade-off that you made to, to move on from Kemba a year ago and I think it's the sign of a, what is now a, a healthy organization I mean could you imagine if Charlotte was heading into the same scenario now as one of the eight teams on the outside looking in, but instead they've got Kemba Walker nursing a knee injury, right. they traded away a first-round pick at the deadline this year to try to make a playoff push. They didn't even get into the playoffs, and now they'd be out of pick. You know, I mean, because like these are some of the scenarios that could have easily happened. Um, and I do think the way things fell out with Kemba, we've talked about this too much on this pod, but like. It was unfortunate, but since then, I think ownership, front office with the Hornets, they've done a lot of good in both the draft uh, and in both asset management since then.
3: And I think the thing that it is it's disappointing or, or sucks about this situation is like you have these eight teams that are not participating, so they're already at a disadvantage because they're not playing games together. But they're also outside of maybe Golden State; they're also lacking talent, and then so yeah. it's it's like two things working against them yes. and. So I do kind of want to talk about maybe having these eight teams play against each other in some kind of televised event. I don't know how they would kind of draw up interest with this because these teams are clearly not in the – the, the, the play-in or the playoffs or, or whatever you want to call this 22 teams that being sent down to Orlando. Uh, but I do think it would be cool to actually play some kind of like meaningful tournament with these eight teams. I just don't know how you would draw up the attention. It's funny. I saw a tweet <laughs> the other day about, hey, what they should do is have these eight teams play against each other and the top team will get the top pick in the draft and or, or, maybe, yeah. or maybe have the top odds at the draft yeah, and i'm just like right, i can't right, imagine right. No, like yeah, oh, yeah.
2: i mean that would be awesome, be awesome.
3: <laughs> yeah. it'd be awesome but can you imagine so, like yeah. monk going out there or like pj or or miles and like yeah let's let's go compete for the number one pick so that maybe our job can be replaced you know yeah, what i mean
5: i know yeah it's not it's like only in a vacuum does that make sense to you know what i mean like the oh well let's incentivize them by giving them better odds at the number one pick doesn't everyone like that until you think of well, yeah, but then they could turn around and, and draft someone, you know, they could draft someone to replace any of these guys in the starting lineup or on the you know, off the bench or whatever, to your point, Richie. It's, it's it only that, like, that idea is cool, but really more so in theory right. and like, practicality.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like the idea of having some kind of meaningful tournament between these eight teams where even if it's not like the winner, like Charlotte, I guess, in that situation would be the one seed. Like if they won the whole deal, it's like, we can't just like hand them the the best odds. Now. I mean, imagine Phoenix and Washington then when they were like, Oh yeah. You made us come down here and play (laughs) 10 meaningful games, but but you didn't give us a chance to go play in the tank tournament. Yeah. uh, Yeah. yeah. So, So it's, yeah, it's just, there's no fair way to do it. But yeah, even seriously, even if it's only a, you know like you do it regionally like charlotte gets up with atlanta atlanta Atlanta. Atlanta, yeah yeah atlanta and you know they can drive down the road and they have like a two-week-long training camp and you play you know you play a seven game series and 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 you're able to maybe potentially satisfy your local tv deals right like i I don't know, there's got to be some ideas, some scenarios. I don't know what it would mean, these seven games. I don't think you can make it mean anything other than just keeping the fan bases engaged, right. allowing these teams to get together, get some competitive basketball going. Um, you know, I mean, but that's enough for me. But just give them something. Help them with yeah. something uh, to keep the iron sharp. And uh, again, I, just, I think Charlotte should be kind of example 1A because they seem to be the team that, and I'm sure I'm overlooking something, of course, but they really did seem to be the team with like a young core who's hitting its stride, who is one of the hungrier of these eight, right? They want to get back out there and kind of prove that was real. And that this was momentum. They can pick back up uh, and keep going. So, so even if it's something just a two, you know, two team training camp between these eight um, I think that would be enough. Some of the proposals were a combination of
5: voluntary mandatory workouts for two weeks in July Ah, uh, regional mini camps in August that include joint practices for a period of days and approximately three televised games. This is from Woj's report. That's significant, you know, if that came to fruition because the Hornets are sitting at 67 completed games now, and I believe isn't 70 the magic number for them to hit as far as uh, the local TV so. deal goes. Yeah. Too, so that seems that seems notable. But to your point about interest, like, I mean, outside of you know the three of us whatever the closest facsimile of us there is to like an Atlanta Hawks podcast and like 12 of our closest friends. I don't think there's going to be a lot of interest in the I-85 rivalry. If that's happening in August, because like that's when the playoffs are. the playoffs in this NBA format are set to start, I think August 16th or 17th or something like that now with the play-in game. So you might be running into that unless you could squeeze it in ahead of time and it does also sort of work against the nba wanted to have one environment you know what i mean like that was the the, the idea of orlando as opposed to having one thing in orlando one thing in vegas but you know maybe they do need to throw these teams a bone with that also other all, other proposal uh organized team activities otas for mid-september and like we mentioned earlier teams w- w- uh, could get an opportunity to start training camp like a week or week and a half Earlier than those who were in the 22 team field in Orlando prior to the 2020 2021 season.
4: Real quick idea. I I don't even know if this is possible, but if you could somehow group these, you know, these eight teams up into four different mini training camps, and you could get, you know, each of the two teams if they share a division. Like one way you can make it matter is like, okay, Atlanta and Charlotte, you're gonna play. You're gonna play seven game series after these joint practices, and the winner of that series. you know, they get, so you guys will play f- each other four times next year, Well, the winner of that series gets an extra home game. So, yeah. loser's got to travel, you know, one more, you know, just mm. something like that. that seems yep. like, it just to make it mean anything, to yeah. get, you know, lo- fans and, and local markets a little bit more interested.
3: Yeah, it's hard to think of these ideas with, you know, like that original idea that I proposed that I saw on a tweet, in theory, it works better than actually you know when you put it into yeah. practice so yeah. I, I think one overlooked aspect of this of Charlotte not playing has to be the financial side uh, we were actually discussing this on our slack channel and, and listeners if you want to get in on our slack conversation send us a review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll send you guys an invite but anyway we were discussing how Charlotte a small market team is going to be missing out on this TV revenue and very well next season the salary cap I've heard projections might actually be the same, like 109, you know, 109 million, the same as this year as it is next year, giving the Hornets just $21 million in space. And I don't think they would have been active to begin with in terms of free agency. And and Kupchak mentioned that today. You know, just because you have cap space doesn't mean you have to actually go out and fill it with signing of free agents. But still, Spencer, like how does this affect an organization like a small market in Charlotte, knowing that next season – You know the salary cap is probably not going to be getting up to that projected 115 million dollars
4: yeah it's it it could go a lot of different directions and this is uh this will come into play um you know when the off season does uh, finally happen and they're gonna have to start having these conversations about where the cap's gonna land for future seasons um you know, and you also can't forget like NBA games are still not being televised in China, and we don't know when that's going to happen. So that financial hit is going to carry over into next season. I th- I think you, I think if you're the Hornets, you're you're kind of pulling for you're pulling for the salary hit the salary cap hit to be steep like this next season like i would if if i were the hornets i'd rather lose a lot of space this coming year because one of the things they'll they'll probably talk about if the if it's just 109 or even if they keep it at 115 for this coming year and then smooth it down in years after mm-hmm. is it'll be like it'll almost be a very similar effect to what 2016 was for Charlotte. It's like they they you know the cap spiked when they had all these contracts they had to sign so they were inflated well now if they were to kind of smooth the decline in following years now you're talking about it you know the kind of the the stock line decreasing as charlotte's cap space is going in the other direction Mm -hmm. so so that that could really have a very adverse effect to to their rebuilding plans um so i think that what we need to happen is all right, let's just take the huge haircut this year on the cap. That means it lands – I'm just throwing out a number. That means it lands at 100, okay? Yeah. So, so so now Charlotte only has, like, whatever that is, like $12 million in space. Fine. There weren't going to be that many teams this summer that were going to be looking to dump salary anyways because the free agency class sucks, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and Charlotte has double the amount of space the following summer they have this summer. So that's when you really want the cap to be at least generally healthy uh or at least on in recovery mode so this is something that is really very very telling for for the rebuilding process and how quickly charlotte can move um but you know the other side to that is that mj as a small market owner ha- is is losing tons of money and so even if he has a lot of cap space there's no guarantee he's going to even spend anywhere close to yeah um to those amount of dollars so there's a lot of moving parts here but i hope that made sense a little bit
5: it would be it would be pretty frustrating if after four years of of being just like totally stuck in cat purgatory since 2016 um that as the hornets are getting ready to head into an offseason where they would have buyer's power as as one of the teams that has the most amount of Uh, of cap space so you could have tried to sign a player christian wood joe harris whomever and then you still could have had some room to try to get involved in some lopsided salary deals or whatever and try to scoop up assets so it's it's frustrating um if if that all evaporated but yeah i mean if if the cap number settles in if it sticks at 109 or if it settled in at at 100 or whatever like a that's better than worse, the, dude. There, there were projections in May that had the cap set for like ninety-five million dollars um, for next season, and 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 one. There was one NBA owner that said uh, because with some of these projections, there were going to be twenty-five, there were going to be twenty-five NBA teams paying the luxury tax, which is like an insane number. Like it's just not it's a number that you can't have. But one NBA owner suggested lowering it have the cap drop down to 95 million but then have the luxury tax line stay where it is which is just like an insane delta between the two and so i'm i'm hopeful that something like that doesn't doesn't come to pass and perhaps depending on how things shake out because the hornets are set to be in the hole so much below the cap already and have more money coming off the books in 2021 with, with Cody Zeller or Batum, depending on whether they swing a trade with those guys or whatever. But it's like, maybe maybe the, they, they end up having a little bit more of an advantage as other teams are trying to move salary or other franchises have less space than they were projected for, and they have less they have smaller margin of error than perhaps the Hornets do, because they're already set to be so far below what the cap line was projected for.
4: I, d- I don't think that it, the cap will get that. I don't think it'll get anywhere yeah. close like not, I yeah. mean I know you were just like yeah. just and you can read all kinds of stuff out there and, and let the only way that would happen is if they they'd have to give teams an out like they'd have to create a, it reintroduce the amnesty clause yeah. or something. yeah right. you know, they'd have to give an escape mode outside of dumping salary yeah. so I I doubt it uh but again I think the worst case scenario for Charlotte is this okay, let's keep it generally around where it was going to be for 2021 and then we'll smooth it down in in following years, that would be detrimental to Charlotte's rebuilding plans. At least if you think they're going to try to rebuild, at least in some way through free agency, which is a safe bet. Yeah. Yeah.
5: And it should be. It it should be. Like, I think the draft is a priority, but Mm -hmm. free agency is vitally important. Anything and everything Charlotte's trying to do in the next handful of years here.
3: Yeah, eventually you have to get there. You have to be players in the free agent market. I mean, obviously, Charlotte's yeah, not, yeah. not a big time destination, but they eventually got to get there because you can't win just with uh, rookies and young players. But I do want to share our thoughts on, on this season as it seems like the Hornets' actual season is over with. I, I, mean, I remember talking about this on a preseason pod where we gave our projection totals for the win totals. Uh, that's kind of out the window now as they did not play a full 82-game season. But but the projection, guys, if you remember from the beginning of the year in Vegas, was 23.5, uh, which what was like the lowest in the league or maybe tied for the lowest with Cleveland. Uh, But the Hornets did finish with 23 wins, and that was on a shortened season. So I, I think we can all agree that it was a success or maybe just a lot of good came out of this season. We saw a lot of positive things with this team in terms of the emergence of Devontae Graham. P.J. Washington, for the most part, played very, very solid for the majority of the season. As always, you know, the rookies always hit that that rookie wall, and he will be on an NBA all-rookie team. Whether or not he'll be the first or second is still up for debate. Um, I actually think the most pleasant surprise in my eyes, maybe it's just because of my expectations, I, th- I think rosier actually surprised me in terms of the impact that he had off ball and it was mentioned today in the press conference with borrego but just like the clutch offense stats like we we've known the hornets for the past couple of years to just be kind of in the lower tier when it comes to that hornets were first in effective field goal percentage and first in three point percentage as well as seventh in net rating when it comes to clutch offense and i asked JB, this question about maybe Kemba being off the team—does that give you more flexibility and more creativity to be a little bit better in those types of situations?
1: Yeah, good question. I mean, I, I've studied this. You know, why why were why were we so effective in in those moments? Um, most teams in this league—it's it's the most talented, experienced player that that you want these end of games, um, the ball in their hands, and. You know, as I study it, we made shots down the stretch. Like in these tight situations, maybe that was a product of just being young and naive and we're just going to go out and, and let it fly and not be worried about the moment. Um, that's one factor. But maybe, maybe our guys were just ready to step up and they weren't waiting for someone else to do it. They went and did it. And the one thing we did a lot this year is we worked on end of game more than ever. That that's one area that we put an emphasis on is um, our execution in the game. We put an emphasis there every practice, every drill, opportunity, every film session. Uh, what do we want to look like in the game in those situations? And and our guys were sponges. They 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 ate it up. They got better in those situations. But we shot the ball extremely well. You got to look at you got to give uh, P.J. credit, Terry credit, Devonte credit. Miles hit some big shots in the game for us. Um, to be, you know, first in the league in, in three point percentage in those clutch games, I think just speaks to, number one, their, their ability to shoot the ball, uh, the poise that they played with and trusting each other. I think that's part of it is, is back to your original question. I think this group was trusting each other. It may not be my, my shot. If somebody else has the open look, we're going to trust them. I'm not going to get it done by myself every single game. I'm going to trust that we find the right shot. And I think that's the thing that we found the right shots in the game more than maybe we had done the year before. And, um, so yeah, I'm really proud of the group, how they stepped up in the game, uh, especially on the offensive end overall net rating. I think you said was seventh. So we execute extremely well in the game situation.
3: That brings me to Borrego. I, I think, I think fans should be optimistic about him after these two seasons. He's not afraid to try new lineups. He's not afraid to play the hot hand. And he just, it seems like he has a way with these young players and, and guiding them as they kind of play through their mistakes. So going into this season, I, I wasn't very high on this team. I don't know if I went over or uh, under on the 23 and a half, but if it wasn't over, it probably wasn't much more. So general thoughts for me, I, I think they overachieved, they played well, and I myself am, am very happy with the hire with uh, with James Borrego.
5: Yeah, I, I think Borrego, we've talked about him before. I remember, I can't remember if this was maybe we did a mid season report card thing, or if this was at another time earlier in the pandemic, but just like, he checks every box, dude. Like he, he plays, he wants to play basketball in, in, a, in a very modern style um, in the culture that he's instilled as a leader of, of men. And, um, and with a focus on player development and he's so damn creative and willing to try anything, perhaps he even, even tinkers a little bit too much for the, for some people's liking, but, um, yeah, no, like he, he is a great young coach. I, I think he is, I think he brings everything you could possibly want. I hope Charlotte's able to build a playoff team eventually with him as the leader. Cause I love to see this guy who maybe has some Nick Nurse like tendencies of just willing to try any bleeping thing to to pull out a, a win in a playoff game. So I'd be I'd be curious to see what that what that looks like. So yeah, I I, again I I don't think you know JB is, you know, Popovich part two, but I think he is a really rock solid young coach and did a nice job leading this team to totally overachieve this season, outperform their uh their win percentage. And I think a big deal part of that obviously too was just Devontae, his threat as a pick and roll scorer and what he did in the clutch this season was uh tremendous.
4: Yeah, I, uh, I agree with what you guys have said. I mean, I I think one of the cool things about this season, it really started to show maybe James Borrego's, uh, I think his basketball philosophy really started to show through a little bit. You know, he likes versatile players. So, you know, Jalen McDaniels and how he used PJ Washington, um, you know, miles was able to be a little bit more positionally versatile this year. Um, so Look, I I think that the Hornets are in great shape with him. Um, and you know, Brian, you brought this up on WFNZ this morning, but he's he's also a great leader. You know, I think he's he's the perfect kind of coach for these young players to be learning from. I, I can't imagine they don't look up to him. He's a, just a first class kind of guy. But yeah, I mean, Devontae Rozier was great this year. Richie, you know, you brought up the clutch thing. I you know I thought I think there is something to you know the Kimball Walker or. For any team you know brad Bill, and in washington like there's one guy you know who it's going right. through it's the only place they can go you know yeah. in, this, in this situation just that simple little Devonte with the ball um you know terry sprints to him and, and and slips the screen to the opposite wing i mean just teams mm-hmm. could deal with that play you know and it's so simple yeah. and so yeah you got to feel good about where the hornets are they got a long way to go and this thing could break a lot of different directions but they, they do have assets they got a, a lot of young cheap players you know, uh, at least five of them that you think, OK, two of these guys are going to break in the right yeah. direction and be NBA starters. And that means that Charlotte is, is, is headed in the right direction, right direction, to be sure.
5: It is, uh, I know we're wrapping up here, but man, the clutch shooting numbers are are crazy. Uh, Devontae, 41% shooting on threes in clutch. Terry Rozier in the clutch this season, 55% shooting, 46 on threes, 81% from the line. Devontae, 89% from the line. P.J. Washington. P.J. Washington, I feel like is good. 61 percent from the field yes, and yeah. in, in clutch minutes this season including 80 percent at the line which is nuts because he was not a very good free throw shooter yeah. in general I mean, it's a sample of just 12 free throws but also three of six shooting on threes marvin williams was great in clutch minutes before he left the team this season too so yeah i guess every you know they ran plenty of pick and roll but it was a little different than you know, pick and roll with number 15 and, and just letting the, the opponents just basically maul him uh, and trap him into oblivion. A little bit more uh, variety this season.
3: Well, it does suck that the Hornets aren't playing any kind of meaningful games. Maybe they'll get some kind of tournament, or you know, at least them with the Hawks playing some games together. Uh, but uh, the Hornets season is basically over. Uh, thanks again, guys, for tuning into another Buzz Beat. I, I know Spencer teased this on the last episode, but I think we may have to postpone our big board episodes maybe spencer just as the draft has been pushed back to october i mean what do you think about that
4: yeah yeah well, i think we've got enough time we can plug <laughs> we want. Yeah. yeah it's uh
5: you know what we're gonna have to start doing before the draft even happens we're gonna have to kick out our 2021 big boards too yeah. i feel yeah. like that's why it's because it's it's gonna be nuts that go you know uh 16 months in between drafts and then we're going to have eight months in between drafts on, on the on the backside, which is um, it's crazy. There's going to be a lot of moving parts going forward here. Yep.
2: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.